Welcome to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week, where our goal is to equip the believer to do the work of the ministry. We hope that you enjoy this week's sermon by the senior leader here at Gateway Church, Pastor Chris Monahan. I want to talk today about baptism, and then I actually, we are going to have a baptism as well, and just give you, give you a different perspective about baptisms today that I know I'm learning, um, I'm, I'm striving to as, a, as someone who loves the Lord and someone who loves the Bible, um, I want to make sure that uh, we're following along scriptures, but there's something I believe that's happening right now when it comes to baptisms. And baptisms are, uh, if we could end that phone call, please, <laughs> that would be great. So what we want to do is let's take a look at uh, Matthew chapter 13, 13 through 15. And I want to show you what I believe the Lord has been uh, showing me about baptisms. Two weeks ago, Deb and I were, uh, we, we went down to northern Georgia. And what they've been doing is they've been baptizing people, not just for salvation. How many are familiar with the baptism? You come to Christ, you get baptized, right? Most of us have been through that uh, the process. And what we're going to do today is we're going to baptize somebody that's, that wants to make a public declaration of their faith. But when we went down to Georgia, what we're starting to see is that God is using baptisms even in a deeper way, in a, in a, in a larger scale. And so I want to take you through some of the scriptures about how the Lord could be using baptism today. And I think we've had a number. Carolyn, you went down to the Northern Georgia Revival, and you were immersed, okay, and experienced the presence of God. And there's something happened where the baptisms are, people are getting healed, people are getting delivered, people are getting set free as they are immersed. And so I want to let you guys know this is what we are heading toward, is to make baptism more central and not uh, just something that happens occasionally, but more central to the faith. And I want to take you through some scriptures on that. Is that all right? Okay, well, here we go. Put on your pew belts because we're going to take off. Here we go. Matthew 3.13 says this, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions about of Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. We remember the Gospels always start out with Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a radical. He was someone that spent his time out into the wilderness. He ate locusts. He wore camel hair. He was a scary dude. Trust me, if you would have seen him on the corner, you'd think this guy is radical, lives out in the desert. He's an antagonist. He has no fear. And God is raising up John the Baptist in this season. And what was happening? What was his movement? What was John's movement? It was to baptize people, to immerse them in water. That's what was happening. And this was prior to Jesus showing up. How many want to do stuff that would encourage Jesus to show up at your church? I don't know. It's just a thought. It's a radical thought that Jesus would show up in the modern church. I don't know. I'm just throwing some ideas out there. I'm not happy if he doesn't come. I'm not satisfied. And so if this was happening and then Jesus shows up, I'm like, sign me up. Now, I want to share with you a little bit about the word baptism in the Greek. It's the, it's the Greek word baptizo. And this is such a controversial word uh, for many theologians, but it should not be. 
when I read the Bible and it tells me this is what it means, that's what it means. So baptism actually means to immerse or cleanse or purify by washing. It never, ever means to sprinkle. Ever. <laughs> ever. The first time the word baptism is found in the ancient literature is in a pickling recipe. So let me ask you a question. Do you sprinkle milk on your Oreos? Doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't work. I know you're health crazy. None of you eat Oreos. But it means to immerse. It means to be fully immersed, to be cleansed. And so much so that the translators refused to translate that word. The Greek word baptizo, is just, they just said, hey, I don't want to cause any controversy. You know, I don't mind controversy if you guys don't know that yet. Maybe it's a secret for some of you. I don't mind controversy. But the Bible says the word means to immerse. That's what it means. So it should be translated as immerse. And I, I do not believe that you, are, you need to be baptized to be saved. I don't believe that. We're not going there. Don't worry. I believe it's important. I believe the Lord tells you to get baptized. You better be baptized. If you were baptized as a baby, everybody says, well, Pastor, do you think I need to be rebaptized if I was baptized as a baby or I was sprinkled as a baby? You know what I tell them? I say, go ask the Lord and see what he tells you. And every person I've told to, they say, Chris, the Lord came to me. I need to get baptized. Can we do it this week? So I'm just telling you my, my history, but I will tell you, okay? Is that what I told you? <laughs> that's what I told you, Kelly, yeah. So, uh, and that's the way it works. It's, it's not a salvational issue, but I want to say this. If you have your worksheet, it's more than symbolic. Oh, my gosh. Don't just think, well, it's just a, it's just a public acknowledgement of what's happened privately. Yeah, I, I agree. I think baptism is awesome, but can I tell you, it's more than symbolic. Something in the spirit realm happens to you when you are immersed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Something powerful happens to you. I don't know about you, but I need all the power I can get from heaven. How about you, right? I need everything I can get. And if, this, if God says this is the act of obedience, then I'm going to step into it because I don't have, I, I can't, I've never, I never live my day like, man, I had way too much of God's power today. Like, I would be walking around Reed Hospital, going into every room, pow, you know, boom, every person would be, that's what I would be doing if I had enough power, okay? Did I ever tell you the story? I was in Reed one time, and I just got done visiting somebody, and I walked, and I walked by a room, and this gal was in there, like, in a lot of pain, like, crying out in pain. And so I just stopped in. I said, ma'am, do you need something for pain? True story. I walk in, and she goes, ah. And so I prayed for her three times. Because, like, the first two times, we just got the pain down a little bit. But by the last time, she, she just said, I feel like it's all gone. And she conked out and went to sleep. So I do, I do stops at Reed Hospital sometimes just to see the Lord move, right? And if I don't have enough power, though, if I could get more power, I would because the world just doesn't need nice Christians. They're just so nice out there, Gateway. They're just so nice. We need a powerful church. Right? We need to be powerful. The Bible says that anyone who claims to be in Jesus must do everything Jesus did. So let's do it. Let's be equipped. So then we go ahead and see in Matthew 3.13, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. 
And we see Jesus shows up to be baptized. And this is what I love. I want Jesus to show up. And if mass baptisms brought the presence of Jesus, let's do it. Baptizing more than once is never forbidden in the Bible. Let's put it that way. You're not going to find that. You shall not be baptized more than once. You're not going to find that. And it goes on to say in Matthew 3, 16 and 17, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. So there was something that happened when he was baptized. This is what's going to happen to Sandy today when she is baptized, is that the heavens open up and the Father speaks, you're my child who I love, with you I am well pleased. That's the empowerment that comes, the blessing of God that happened after the baptism. So if we're being baptized, let's say that you've been baptized before, let's say you do it again. How many think they need a little more blessing? Or how, is anyone overly blessed here? Like, I just feel way too blessed. I couldn't contain any more blessing, Pastor. So that's what happened when the Lord Jesus was baptized. And what was Jesus being baptized for any of his sins? No. So uh, un unfortunately, we, we only tie baptism to the idea of being forgiven of our sin. And that's, and that's part of it. But there's more to it, and that's my message today. Then the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So there's, there's more than symbolism. The, the, the church, especially the American church, has limited God to a mental experience. And we have to expect a supernatural experience, supernatural encounters when people are immersed in the water, that we're expecting something supernatural to shift for them to be healed, for them to be delivered, for them to be set free, for them to know their identity. And many of you have experienced baptism in a powerful way, but let's not limit it. Maybe God's calling us to do more than just one baptism. Number two, uh, first thing is more than symbolic. It's more than singular. And this is what I want to share with you based on the understanding that John the Baptist didn't come up with immersions. It wasn't like John thought, ooh, I got a way to build my ministry. We're going to do baptisms in the Jordan. I think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be great. It's my idea. I just made it up. No. Baptisms were going on throughout the Old Testament. They were, they were happening throughout Jewish culture. And uh, some, this is what I want to just read this. Many Christians think that baptism originated with John the Baptist, but baptism is a biblical ritual that has been practiced regularly by all of Israel since the days of Moses. So I'm going to give you, show you a picture of what is called the mikvah. Everybody say mikvah. And uh, mikvah is, is uh, they've been discovering these all over Israel. They've actually just built one of these in Centerville. Did you guys know that? That there is a Jewish, uh, I believe it's an Orthodox or a Hasidic Jewish a community, Orthodox Jewish community in Centerville. Uh, the guy who was working on my bathroom he was doing the plumbing for their mikvah. I said, how cool is that? I said, bro, take some pictures, you know. Uh, so this was used for ritual cleansings. That's what the Jewish people would do. I'm going to show you in Scripture so you know I'm not making this stuff up. They um, would get ritually cleansed at certain times for certain things. So a mikvah or a mikvah or a mikvah is a bath used for the purpose of ritual immersion in Judaism to achieve ritual purity. So you guys remember the story about David uh, and Bathsheba? Remember that story? 
David was on his couch and he was walking on the roof on the king's house and that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, right? Remember that? Uh, and so 1 Samuel eleven four says, So David sent messenger, messengers, took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanliness. So I know most of us think Bathsheba was taking a bath because they named her Bathsheba. That's not the way it was. That's what I figure. I'm pretty smart. I'm telling you, I can figure this stuff out a lot of times. But she was actually doing a cleansing, a mikvah, because of her ceremonial uncleanliness. So she was, she was in a religious ceremony at this time when David saw her. So mikvahs were used to cleanse from impurities to prepare for weddings and other spiritual events. Isn't that wild? That's a modern-day mikvah. How many could see one of them in Gateway Church? Wouldn't that be kind of cool, right? Our own little mikvah, that'd be kind of cool. Come on. Now, I know I'm stretching. This is a little different, a little out there. But um, let me just give you the, the three things that, that I've studied that uh, mikvahs or, or immersions were used for. If someone became uh, ritually unclean in the Bible, they would have to go be mikvahed. Uh, a leper declared healed by the priest, he would have to be cleansed, go through a mikvah. And I, this is what I love, pre-wedding preparation. How many are think we're getting ready for our bridegroom? Right? Jesus showed up. Can you tell, I, I, this is how simple I am. When I read that in Matthew where Jesus showed up when baptisms were happening, I was already in. I was already in, like, we're going to start doing this because Jesus showed up. I'm telling you, I'm just hungry for Jesus. I just want Jesus to show up. That's what I want. So if it works, if it inspires me, I hope that it inspires you as well. Pre-wedding preparation for the bride and groom. How many know that we need to be ready for the coming of Jesus, right? And it's not just his physical coming, but it's his presence, the Holy Spirit coming into this room. We are being prepared and cleansed, and maybe there's something on these baptisms, uh, Todd Smith, uh, the uh, pastor that we're working with right now, he was, uh, had a vision one day where he saw fire over top of his baptismal, and he felt like the Lord was going to bring the power of God and the fire of God when he began to start uh, immersing people just for, just for them to receive the presence of God. And so it's interesting, too, in the Hebrew, the word mikvah has the same root letters as the word hope. How many think we need hope in this season? How many have some friends right now been diagnosed with something, uh, some cancer or something that they are, they're fighting for their life right now, okay? How many know sometimes that we encourage people, take the next step, that baptism may be the next step for your healing, maybe another tool in our tool belt that the Lord is calling us to so that we can see more breakthrough? I would love to see every person I pray for healed. I don't, but I, that's to me, I'm not satisfied unless I see every single person healed who we pray for. And if baptism is a tool we can use in our tool belt for them to encounter the Lord and experience, then I want, I'm in. And I, and I believe Gateway Church is in as well because we want to encounter the Lord. And if that means I got to get a little wet, that's fine. That means we need to put a little time in to fill up the baptismals and clean them. If this is what the Lord's doing, I'm on it. Jeremiah 17, 13 says, O Yahweh, the hope or mikvah of Israel, all who forsake you will be ashamed. 
because they have forsaken Yahweh, the fountain of the living water. Hope and mikvah, the same Hebrew word. The last thing I want to mention is that it's more than salvational. I don't want you to think, like I did, that it's necessarily just a salvation uh, declaration baptism. There's more to it when we begin to study the Scriptures. And we look and see in this in John 5, where Jesus was coming to what they call the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. And it's, this is the story. It says, Now in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate there was a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And what would happen at these, this pool, and they actually had just recently discovered this pool, I believe it was about 30, 30 years ago, uh, near St. Anne's Church in Jerusalem. So that was the pool that people were gathering around who had been sick or lame. And Jesus talks about this pool. Now, this is an odd story, isn't it? The story about the, the, the man who was crippled laying at this pool. And again, it's an odd story. Let's read it. It says this in John 5, 5, in these, in these lay a great multitude of those who are sick, blind, lame, or paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at certain times into the pool and stirred the water. So how many have been to the wave pools before, right? You ever been to the wave pools? Like you're just waiting for the waves to come, and it's all calm. But when the waves come, ah, everyone's jumping in and going for what? Well, it probably is a little different than that, but that's, that's my imagery today. That's the best I got. But if you can imagine... Now, this is, a, this is an odd story, isn't it? Because it talks about an angel coming down and stirring the waters. And then once the first person in gets healed. So there, there's something on the waters that we pray over the waters. We invite the angelic to come and stir the waters. We invite for supernatural things to happen when they step into the waters. So that people are cleansed, they're healed, they're delivered. Now this man had been, uh, he, said, he said this in John 5, 5, whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. Now can you imagine the power of God that was in this, this water and this event that someone could be completely healed just by getting into the water? And the cool thing is we're not going to do that with our pool here, friend. We're, gonna, we're not going to make people wait around for 38 years before we get them in. All right? We're going we're gonna to be immersing people in believing that they will be touched, they'll be healed, and they'll be delivered. Mark 16, 16. Jesus said this, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. I want to talk about the word saved here because what has happened in our culture is the word saved, which is the, the Greek word sozo, we think you, you will be forgiven. So if you believe and you're baptized, you will be forgiven. That's a third, that's, that's one-fourth of what the word actually means. Now the word sozo, it actually it comes from the Greek word soteriai, and it's a Greek word used hundreds of times in the New Testament, which means salvation, healing, 
making someone safe from danger, and being rescued and delivered. So this is what, when we call Jesus the Savior, he's not just saying, okay, I'll forgive your sins. He's signing up to be your healer, to be your deliverer, to set you free, and to free you from all oppression and every demon that ever tormented you. How many know that we've limited Jesus' Savior powers? We've just said, oh, he'll forgive us. You know, that's great. Forg- I love forgiveness. Thank you. I love being forgiven. That's awesome. But that's just a fourth of it. There's so many of us. We need to trust in Jesus to be our Savior, our healer, our baptizer, our returning king to crush evil in our lives. Come on. That's Jesus' job description as Savior. That's what he wants to save you from. And we need to see that and walk in that and understand that in this season. Now, that's when I, when I read this, I thought, whoever believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. Almost say that again. Can we put that scripture up, Mark 16, 16? Whoever believes and is baptized will be, let's take that word saved out and let's put in the actual meaning, okay? Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, healed, delivered from danger, rescued, and free from every demonic power. Who wants to be signed up for that right there, right? Because when we freely receive what Jesus has done, then we can freely give it out. And so when we think about these scriptures and how this could affect us, I'm in. Let's look at, uh, in the book of 2 Kings 5.14, there was a man by the name of Naaman, and Naaman had leprosy. He was a, a military leader of a foreign army, and he came to Elijah to be healed because of his leprosy. A little girl, one of his servant girls said, hey, I know how you can get healed. How many know that God uses little kids to, to bring us some good information sometimes? And so he, he believed it, and he went to the, the king, and he told, you have a man here that can heal me. And the king's like, you're crazy. You're trying to start a war with me. And then the guy leaves away frustrated. But Elijah sends one of his servants and says, come, come to my house. And so the, this powerful military leader knocks on Elijah's door, and Elijah doesn't even open the door. He talks through the door, basically, or sends his servant out. And he says, go dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And what's Naaman do? He says, no, come on. He expected, like, you know, the door to fling open and him to swing his jacket around him and throw dirt up in the air and have a dove fly out and a rainbow comes and then he gets healed. Right? And so he resisted it because it was so simple. And this is where we, we need to just ex- accept the simplicity of baptism, of being immersed in water. Because what we read in the Scriptures is that Naaman just trusted in faith that God will do something, that God will do something here in this simple way of just filling up a tub with water and being immersed. It says he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan 
Maybe we need to dip you more than once. I'm not going to hold you down any longer if you're a really bad sinner or nothing, but, you know, maybe you need to be dipped a couple times. And there's a story that took place. There was one man that was, he was battling homosexuality. And Todd Smith says it was the most powerful baptism he had ever seen because the man had battled with homosexuality all his life. And the man stepped into the pool and he said, I want to be free. And so they baptized him one time. And he said when he came back out, came back, uh, came back out of the water, this terrible stench just filled the room. And so he said, let's do it again. They baptized him again. And then the stench just increased again in the room. And he said, let's do it one more time. And they baptized him one more time. And he said, the stench broke. And the man just shouted out, I am free. Delivered. So we need to be led by the Lord in this season. Naaman dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of, little, of a little child. And he was clean. That's what the Lord wants to do in this season. So there's a number of different things that uh, we can share here about baptism, but I wanted to give you a little bit of background, what's happening. We are going to be, uh, we are currently working with another ministry called Restoring Lives International with Bryn Kelly. You guys familiar with Bryn Kelly and RLI? How many have been through their conferences? Okay. And uh, Bryn is just a tremendous friend of ours, and so we have a number of other pastors that we're working together with to bring this revival of baptisms into our area. And we are joined together. We're prayerfully um, just asking people to get involved and to experience what God is doing in the now. And uh, our next meeting, we had one a number of months ago. We're having another meeting uh, May 13th and 14th uh, down in Loveland uh, near Cincinnati. And so um, I wanted to give you a little bit more information because we're going to bring it here to Richmond as well. And so when you begin to hear, I like to guys keep you informed. Like, what are they doing? They're doing what? For baptisms? What's happening? I wanted to give you a little bit of biblical understanding of where the Lord is, is leading me and leading us, Debbie and I, in this season. And uh, there's, there's so much about baptism. Um, baptism is a birth. <laughs> Remember Nicodemus said, you know, that they were, you know, Jesus said, you must be born again. He goes, I got to enter my mother's womb again? <laughs> well, you know, a baby is, is in the womb, is in water. And Jesus said you must be born of water and the Spirit. And so there's something that happens in water that will definitely uh, impact you. But you also have to be born of the Spirit. Now, we did a home birth. I don't know if you guys knew that. that well, she did a home birth. I was there. <laughs> And she, she had a great idea to do a, a water birth. Ooh, that was going to be great. So the night came where we were getting ready for the birth of Abigail, believe it or not. And uh, so I run in there to go ahead and, and fill up the little pool, you know, nice hot water, get it all ready. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm doing everything I can, you know. I mean, how many, you know, husbands, wives pregnant, like, don't make a single mistake. You might not live through the night, right? So 
I'm filling, I'm, I, I'm running in there, I'm filling this thing up, and I come back in um, to the bedroom, and there's water all over the floor, and none is in the tub, none is in the pool. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, my wife's like, I'm having the baby, I'm getting ready to have the baby. I guess one of my other sons went in there a couple days before and uh, was checking the plug on it, never put it back. Um, He's still alive, don't worry, okay? <laughs> He's living a happy, fruitful life. And then the poor midwives were wondering, like, what is this guy doing? You know, they always tell the guy to go boil water just to get him out of the way, right? He doesn't know what he's doing. Just go boil some water. But I was really boiling water, but they were like, what are you boiling water for? Anyway, that was our water birth failure story. It didn't happen. But birth and water are together. So it's a, it's a baptism is a birth. Baptism is also a burial. That's part of what the baptismal waters represent, is that when someone is immersed in the water, what takes place is that they are being buried to themselves, they're dying to themselves, and they're experiencing the burial of Jesus so they can also experience the resurrection of Jesus at the same time. Isn't that awesome? It's a cleansing. So uh, as we do mikvahs and as we gather together to experience baptism, um, let's believe God for some supernatural. I have a neighbor that needs to be supernaturally healed. I want to dunk him. I want to get him immersed in here. I want to have people praying over these waters so that he can experience healing. And it's a preparation for the bridegroom. How many know that Jesus is returning? All right? He's coming back. All right? He is coming back for his bride, and we are his bride so let's symbolically go, okay, Lord, we're getting ready for our bridegroom. There's a wedding coming, so I want to be immersed again. I want to be baptized again. I want to be cleansed again in preparation for the one I love. Let's stand together. Sandy, come up. Can we have, can we have our friends from the Hope House get this, get this top off here? And we're going to experience the baptism today. Sandy will experience the waters and we are going to join together and celebrate. Those of you who, uh, who are friends with Sandy or know her or just want to be with us, some of our leadership, some of our elders, um, we want to see something powerful happen today. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And for more information, videos, sermons, or events, check out our website at igateway.org. Thank you and have a blessed week.